How about those wild taking down the aval? Okay, it's preseason. We don't have to get too excited. That's Dean Everson there at the tail. <laughs> I'm at the wild getting that big one over the avalanche. Yeah, it's just a practice game. That's right. Take it down. How about Central? Okay, it was a busy. It was Tuesday, so it was a full night uh, last night around the region. Some big uh, volleyball wins. I, I think uh, what happened at the BBF was probably pretty That's special. Very big. Yes, that was kind of large win. right there. I think what happened over at Concordia was kind of special mm-hmm. for for Faith Rodemacher now, formerly Faith Dooley. I, I, when you haven't beaten a team since. For nine, ten years, and and you you snap your own match uh, losing skid a few games there, and I text Faith today say congratulations. No offense to Mayville State, but yeah. it had been since twenty like thirteen, I think, since the Cobbers had had done that. So that was big. Bride was hanging in Castleton last night. Boy, these squirrels played well. Squirrels, very are, very well. Uh, straight set winners, right? Yeah. South and Davies went five sets last night. Cheyenne is still unbeaten. Cheyenne is the sixteen and 13 and zero in the EDC, and that's no easy task. Can to, they up? Uh, can they upend uh, the the Pats at a state tournament? Well, that's the question. That's the next question. The uh, yeah, a lot of great Tuesdays. Always a big local uh, local thing. Uh, and, and very active, and and uh, not to bury the lead, because here in a, in, a, in a handful of minutes we'll be chatting with a state champion. What's it like to be, well, to 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 win a lot? <laughs> better better way to put that, Derek Derek and Brad. I wouldn't know. It's a Wednesday edition. Avery Bartels, who just picked up her third medalist honors at the state golf uh, tournament going on. That was in Minot. Avery will join us. I like it when we can get her out of school, unless she's having a lunch break. At Maybe noon. it's lunch know. hour. Is that what it is? I'm not sure, but it yeah. could be lunch hour. We're getting Avery out of... We'll have uh, to ask. Yeah. Hopefully we're getting her out of class, because that was always <laughs> cool. You know, as, as, a, as a high school student athlete, going, I cannot listen to this lecture anymore. I've got to be on a radio station program over there. But Avery will join us coming up. One of our Bison Bits today, Terry Haran, the Coppers, got a large one this weekend, and and hopefully bouncing back. You know, they, they dropped a game against uh, the Gusties, and now... How do you beat St. John's? You know, how do you beat St. John's? So Terry will join us coming up. The Dragons have their own fish to fry. They're at Minnesota Duluth this weekend. And both NDSU and UND have homecomings uh, games this weekend. That's rather large. Brad, you've got action this weekend for science. So we're... It's homecoming for the uh, homecoming Wildcats for the Cats as well. Too. Oh, my it's Central Lakes. Goodness so gracious. So need it's... To, uh, need to win to get a little separation here in the... Uh, MCAC standings. We're all chasing Fergus Falls right now. As I said this morning, happy birthday to Confucius. He would be 2,573 today. Probably hmm. doesn't look a day over 2550. <laughs> Probably doesn't. Uh, I, I was dropping uh, sayings on, on uh, KFGO, our brother station, say, only the wisest and stupidest of men never change. <laughs> it's a great. How good would Confucius? He'd be like the Tony Robbins. He'd be so wealthy right now from from his. Uh, It'd be a combination of Tony Robbins and Nipsey Russell. Right, <laughs> right. Self help books and everything. He'd be self help books and one liners on game shows. Billionaire. Yes. I mean, as I, I'm reading his stuff, and and granted, it's two thousand plus years old. But boy, does she fit uh, today. You know, that's uh, that's uh, that's some good stuff. So it is a busy Tuesday. Avery will join us coming up around the corner. Just bumped into Caramond uh, a little bit ago, who was, uh, who was uh, making the circuit, as you will, when you're 30 years old. And let's see, you've got a degree from Brown and law degree from Harvard, and you've won Miss America. And what's the next step for the former Century Patriot? And, well, you kind of get into representing the state of North Dakota, or at least getting in a battle for that. But what a pleasant uh, pleasant young person to stop by the studio today. You know, I don't know. Brad, have you ever sought office? No. I could see Derek have been uh, like a... Like a, 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 a Until they do my background check. <laughs> no, I, I guess I, I tried student council one year, and speaking of that, my, my daughter... 
Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth grader has... Is Rachel getting into a... Well, she ran for student council last year, didn't get it, and not undeterred by it, has given it a go here again. Uh, Good for to, her. She has to give her speech here sometime this week. Is she going for the big position, like the president? I think just to try and get it in the student council. Hmm. Or at that level, they just dole out the. No, nah, I don't think they do president. I think they're just they're all in, they're all in the council. Oh, just the council. Just the yeah. council. So. Yeah. See, Derek, I could have no, seen you running Barnesville High. Like the, uh, you know, you're a pretty nah. balanced guy. You know, you, yeah, you, you but, see things. You no? know, in high school, you're always dealing with alpha dogs who would like to take over, right? So it's kind of it's kind of oh, that's right. They get it's kind of right. how they yeah. run. You know, yeah. You kind of run with the. Uh, you're lucky if you get the treasurer. You know, that's yeah. it. And I could, I could, I was a good gatherer of people to get together for certain activities. Sure. Yeah. 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 I was a gatherer of people. Still am many times. Kind of a Pied Piper. Yeah. Of, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, I think Confucius would, would like that. I maybe, you know, let him down the, the <laughs> band down the alley, like in Animal House, but <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> what we're supposed to do, you moron? <laughs> exactly. Remember that line? Yeah. yeah, Stork's only line in the movie. Uh, what we're supposed to do, do you, you moron? moron? And he was part writer of that film, wasn't yeah. he? Uh, yeah. He could have been. I don't know. Uh, Matt Walner Homer, if you didn't catch Tom Miller's article, on Matt um, uh, last week, I think it ran. Maybe yes. maybe it's been a couple weeks. Matt Walner is uh, is from Forest Lake, Minnesota, and he hit a second home run, and that one a, a majestic one for the Twins yesterday. And if you read Tommy's article on that, uh, you know Matt was recruited by the University of North Dakota, Jeff Dodson, Brian Devillers, and uh, well, he wasn't recruited by any other you know majors, you know Division One schools, and he was going to be a uh, go to UND for baseball. And then, you know, Governor Schaefer sent the mandate down for some colleges, you know, budget cuts. And we all know the story, you know, that UND had cut their, you know, one of the programs, the baseball program. So here's Matt Walner, and he has to kind of go back and find a new place. You know, the recruiting process came on again. And he ends up uh, signing with, uh, I think it was Southern Miss, right? I want to say that that uh, that's where he ended up. Um, But he didn't go, you know, to UND. And, and still stayed in contact, though, with with Jeff Dodson and, and Brian DeVillers because their the connection they made in their recruiting process. And then all of a sudden, boom, you, you start getting into it. NCAA, you head into the Cape Cod League, and then pretty soon you're, you're climbing the ranks in the Midwest League, the Yappy League, and then pretty soon then you, get a, then you get a call up. And he gets a call up with the Twins. He knocked a couple of balls out of the park. A, a great story. A great story for Matt Walner. And, and, and uh, by the way, Ober looked pretty good last night, too. Ten strikeouts, seven and, uh, what, a third? Yeah, well, that's the seven and a third is the the big yeah, <laughs> that's right. the highlight oh, there. Seven right? and a third. Right. I mean, I mean that, that doesn't happen very often. I uh, uh, the other thing I had on my plate today before we chat with Avery and, and find out what a cha- what it's like to be a champion three times over and still has another year left to, to to go. Something happened last night in baseball that hasn't happened in one hundred and twenty two years. Wow. So it's a pitcher. I, I was quizzing T Dunn and the crew across the hall, and they all had Rusty Halverson. They all had their thoughts. Um, one went from just had an accident in his uniform, you know, that kind of stuff, too, because I was really playing it up to, oh, he, this and that. 122 years. So Richard Blyer is a left handed reliever for the Miami Marlins. And last night got in against the Mets in New York. And he made Major League history, the only player since 1900 to balk three times in the same at bat. 
So Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso's at the plate. You got what? A, yeah. You got uh, Jeff McNeil reached on an infield single, and Pete Alonso comes up to bat. And uh, Richard Blyer was called for a balk, and then a balk, and then a balk to score the run. It hasn't happened <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, in hundred and twenty. I didn't realize years. that. Like they even had that rule in 1900. I didn't think so either. Right, yeah, but, oh, that looks weird. You go ahead, take second. I don't know if they were, yeah, that, that kind of thing, but yeah. Um, Blyer, as the story goes, grew increasingly agitated with each Bach call. Well, yeah, because he balked to second, balked to third, and then, of course, balked the run in huh. with Alonzo standing at the plate. Is he trying to do it on purpose to get in the record books? Or Dar- Dar- How many times do we see the, uh, say that you, know, you might go to a baseball game because you might see something that hasn't been yeah. seen, you know. And baseball—the reason they said is because baseball's been around for so long. It's ironic or coincidental that you'd actually see something that hasn't been done or hasn't been done in a hundred years. And lo and behold, last night that was it. After retiring, Alonzo on a ground out, Blyer argues with the plate umpire Ryan Blackney uh, and first baseman da 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 da, and uh, and then then got ejected. Wow! So could you imagine the no. Uh, Imagine, like, if he doesn't think he's balking, it, it's one thing to balk, and then usually they'll say, "Yeah, you did this, or you didn't pause, or you lifted, or you, you know, you said." Then you go ahead and do it again, and then what's the next thing? Hey, you're doing that again. Then you do it again. I can imagine the frustration. So that was happened. That was happened last night. Would you after while well, like go to the set and just sit there for about forty five seconds, I, just in protest? Like if you think you're not balking, exactly. I would just stand there. You're yep. right. Yep, just stand there and say, "All right, fine." Until Pete keeps calling time out at the plate. And then, you know, just in protest. What year was it? I think it was in the 80s, and it might have been, I remember Burt Blylevin got, uh, it was during the World Series. Right. Because he wasn't coming, they said he wasn't coming set yeah. all the time. And I think it was the following year that they started calling box left and right. Yeah, it was it, Letterman it, would joke about it. Yo, we need more of a baseball box. box. And then they yeah. changed the rule so he had to come set. Yep. And yeah. then they got a bunch and he went on the air and he goes, I yep. wish I went to set yep. that. The, uh, <laughs> that's right. The old discernible stop. Yeah. It's funny how sometimes that becomes like a point of emphasis, it seems, in certain leagues in certain years. Uh, so we'll get into it. Lots to get to today. As we mentioned, Terry Horan in the second half hour. Got some bison bits coming up. Uh, Tamaric Williams, I think we might hear from him or Luke Wirtz today on the program. As we said, a busy weekend coming up. But I'll tell you, we got to wish you congratulations. First of all, the Fargo Oak Grove girls uh, team. Yet another state title. And the Grovers uh, doing a heck of a job over there. Uh, coach was the coach of the year. Um, so nice finish for Oak Grove. Individually, Avery Bartels makes a return to 740. The fan, for the third time, uh, a medalist, my guess is they never get old, and each one is probably pretty special, I'd imagine. And Avery joins us now. Avery, uh, Jack here, you know, the voices you hear are Brad and Derek, too. Uh, just please tell me we got you out of class, because that would have been fun today. Or is it actually a, a lunch break for you? It's actually currently lunch. <laughs> oh, we were really hoping yeah, we got I, you out of a I tough calculus. Probably lunch. Yeah, you nailed already. it, Brad. Yeah. I, th- I thought she'd have been in a calculus class that she didn't like and all that, but that's good. <laughs> uh, Avery, congratulations. First of all, uh, the expectations going in from an individual and team aspect, and and uh, having pops as the coaches is great too. What a, what a good man he is. But in uh, the course, in mind, if you had played that course before, tell us a little something about that that state tournament. Well, I played the course before. I played in the North Dakota Women's Dam up there this summer, which is pretty convenient, but that's where I was held, so I got a two-day experience there before state. And playing a lot of tournaments this summer, me and my dad practiced a lot leading up to the tournament to make sure I was sharp and ready, and 
it all came together. It, it certainly did, and you won in, in pretty good fashion. I think it was six strokes that you, you won by. And I'm curious, Avery, and I'm sure you've you've had to play catch-up before uh, while golfing. <laughs> maybe not. That's three-time state title. Maybe you've never been behind. But uh, is there more pressure when you have a lead heading into day two and again, pressure is probably the only thing you can put on yourself. Maybe you're just going out and golfing. But take us through that on, on, on your career that is still very strong. Uh, have you have you ever had to come from behind or have you had a lead in some of these majors? I had to come from behind last year. I shot 73 and Ainsley McLean shot 72. But I ended up shooting 32 on the front nine at Carrington. So I got my lead back pretty quickly. <laughs> but when you do get behind you have to work 10 times harder than the person who's in front of you and it usually all comes together. Avery, you come uh, you 69 in the first round there and everything's going well and then yesterday you bogey number 1 you just start thinking oh but you come back and, and you birdie you birdie two and I'm going to say you even sandwich you had a couple of bogeys in there but there's two birdies sandwiched in there so you ended up even par on the front nine yesterday but it was it was a little uneven I bet. Yeah, I was not very happy that I bogeyed the first hole. I hate when I do that. So I was happy to come back with a birdie on the next hole and then two birdies in a row after I missed a one-footer for the second pokey. Ooh. Uh, it's, is it just a smirk, a grunt, uh, okay, next shot? Uh, how does how does Avery Bartels – because you have to have a short memory if you're going to be a, be a medalist, right? Yeah, for me it's just laughing it off. Like, I was just like, oh, wow, that was a terrible putt. But <laughs> – <laughs> got, to, got to get it back now. That's fantastic. What a great attitude, by the way, too. Avery Bartell is joining a state medalist. She won it yesterday, so made the trip. My guess is probably didn't get back at, a, at the earliest hour from the Magic City and has probably had to do some media uh, today, but that's what happens when you're champion, Avery. You mentioned Aisley McLean, and, you know, from the Emily St. Ovens to Ainsley McLean's to your own teammates to, to certainly what Oak Grove brings to the table. I mean, girls golf in, in the state of North Dakota – is is pretty hotly contested, isn't it? There's there's some good good talent, isn't there, Avery? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely stepped up over the past couple of years, especially with Emily Sinabing. Kind of like everyone kind of wanted to get her, and it happened to be me this for senior year. And then since then, it's just improved immensely. Like if you look at state championship scores from before, there was no under par rounds. So it's just pretty crazy how it's changed over the past couple of years. Well, just even on your team, too, you had a senior in Charlie, Charlie McQuillan, that was a top 20 uh, finisher. It was good to see. But even on your team, there's one senior, but there's a couple seventh graders on that squad. And, uh, and I'm sure you're, you know, you're trying to trying to help them along to the next level, too. Yeah, yeah. Those seventh graders worked, like, so hard. Like, I was incredibly proud of them. Like, they were struggling to break 100 during the beginning, and, now one of them's close to breaking 90, and the other one broke 100 for the first time at the state tournament, so that was nice. And Troy McQuillan didn't go out last year, and I'm really glad she went out this year because she enjoyed it, and she was very happy that she went out her senior year with the success we had this season. It's the one thing I, I, I credit schools like this. I think Kendra does it. I know Central Cass and Northern Cass do it where they allow you can do two sports. I know you've, yeah. done, you've done volleyball and golf, and Charlie's doing volleyball too. I mean, it's... It takes a, it takes a lot of juggling. It takes some cooperation among coaches, but it's uh, to me, it's so rewarding. It it is. I did it last year and I enjoyed it, but I decided this year it wasn't the best for my golf game, so I decided not play volleyball. But Charlie loves doing both of them, and 
she loved the experience that she could finish her senior year of volleyball and also do one more year of golf. State medalist Avery Bartels joining us from Kindred, uh, won that yesterday, as we mentioned, Oak Grove won the, the team title. The state of golf, and again, for that sport, for for young girls that want to uh, be like Avery Bartels, and, and not many can be, I mean, I can imagine the hours that you put in practicing, but that's what it's going to take. But is if is it on an upswing, Avery? Is, is, it, is it plateaued? Is there a, a big push to participation? Take us into that community a little bit. Well, if, I feel like the participation has definitely grown over the past couple of years, but the, also the amount of work that people have put in has also grown because the scores have gone immensely better and it takes a lot of hours to be really good. So it just takes a lot of hard work. If you were to teach the game to someone that says, you know what, I think I'm going to take this up, where do you start? On the green, just or going out to a tee box saying, hammer away, let's see what you got. Do you just start with a seven iron and start? How, how would you get somebody into it if a parent is tuning in right now that wants their child to get into golf? I would say start with the putting green. Tiger learned from the green back, and obviously Tiger turned out to be pretty good. He did okay, I think, I think over the good. years. Yeah, he had a pretty good career. Yeah, still does. Yeah. Yeah. So green back would be nice. Plus, then you get that touch early on because some people – don't learn that and they just think that if you hit a ball far enough then you're going to be good but if you can't putt uh, a three-foot putt is the same as 270 yard drive so that's pretty good stuff right there that almost sounds like the like the daughter of, of someone who may coach also by the way i'm sure there's probably some lessons learned brad over there true i i know you did the uh, the junior pga over in minnesota um and just the experience of that playing different courses maybe seeing some different competition uh how was that uh how has that helped you into uh, your high school career? I love every second of it on that tour. I play on the Players Tour, so I play two-day events during the summer. So that helps me prepare for state because I came back from a six-stroke deficit during one of my tournaments. I ended up winning that tournament, so I knew going into the second day yesterday that it can easily be taken away from me at any moment. So I knew I had to stay sharp, and I couldn't let anything up. And... Um, gain experience on these harder courses really helps because I'm putting myself in situations that I know what I can do and I can make the decision. Now, when it comes to high school season, if I have a tough shot, I know what I can do with it. Avery Bartel is joining us. We'll let Avery get going because I'm sure there's like a hot turkey sandwich or whatever Kindred has for lunch and maybe Swedish meatballs today. I'm not. What is for lunch today, Avery? Do you know? Lasagna. Oh, so I was getting there. Brad, that would have been my Ooh, fourth probably. my. Been- it's not bad. That sounds all right. I know we're on till one, but maybe, if we can scoot over, we can got, make Kindred. We got a little salad bar going on there. Oh, little yeah, j- we do have a little salad bar. Little nice. salad bar for the JV game, and then boom into the lasagna for the varsity tilt, and then maybe a cupcake for the post game show. Uh, what are the goals for Avery Bartels? What what uh, take us through your vision right now? And, and obviously, you've got another year there at Kindred High. But but what are some of those goals you've set for yourself? Um, I obviously want to win a fourth title. And I want to play at the next level, and I want to play in college. Was Amy Anderson, I, I, I texted Amy about a little while ago because I think when Josh Parsons was doing his thing with the USGA and I said, we're having a debate if, if Amy was the last to win so-and-so, and I texted her on that. But how much have those that have gone before, including your own family that are, that are tremendous golfers, been influencers uh, for you, Avery? It's a lot of inspiration because Amy um, – Olsen was my neighbor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he lived 
across the hole from me in my front yard. Fantastic. So you see how hard she works at it, and it's obviously been successful. And my brother worked extremely hard for his title. So I know nothing comes easy, and you have to earn it. Yeah, Parker was good. I might have dropped it, Anderson. Sorry, Grant. Uh, Olsen, I mean. There you go. Very well done on that. And then we always finish. I say we always, Brad, like we have titled medalists here every day on the show. But uh, your greatest shot. Now, Brad, uh, you've either been putt-putting or on an actual golf course. Uh, what would your greatest shot do, Does anything come to mind when I say your greatest shot? Well, the, the closest I've gotten to a hole-in-one is I, I hit one and hit the pin, and it just stopped. I'm about oh. like six inches from a hole-in-one. Like that a might par be one three of my, with a yep. – with a, with a, Great. That's probably the best shot of that, at least the one I can remember off the top of my head. My brother and I, and as Avery's thinking, she knows it's coming her way, and maybe she has. My brother and I, years ago, with, with my partner who we just lost, Maury Wills, we're at the Meadows in Moorhead. And I'm sure it was probably my third shot because I'm sure I shanked the first one. And then, But anyway, I'm at the Meadows, uh, six iron from, I don't know, a buck whatever away. And and sure enough, it uh, it, it, it jumped into the... Uh, the hole, which for most people might have been an eagle, I think it may have been a birdie for me. So that that everybody has their shot, I guess. Avery, we're curious. What would you I, consider your best? I think my best shot happened this week on the first day. I got a bogey on 17. I was very mad. Three-putt bogey for my first one of the day. <laughs> I went up to my dad and I go, I'm going to forget that. I'm going to get a birdie. I hit my drive right down the middle of the fairway. And me and my dad are talking about the yardage, and it's 88 yards. Okay. But it's uphill, but we have a little bit of downwind. I'm gonna, I'm like, I'm gonna play 90 yards. And he's like, we're gonna have to hit the 56, pretty perfect for it to go 90. Put it back to my stance, hands forward. Boom. Hit it, and it almost went in the hole. So I ended up getting the birdie, and I had a lot of momentum going into the next. Look day. at that! And there's from there's a hole to hole right there with the mentality and the determination to do it. And like a baseball player that that barrels up a ball that they know they got it, my guess is, Avery, you probably had a pretty good idea that, that you got that one once it left the club head. Yeah, I, I hit it, and I was like, well, that was good contact. And I looked, and it was right on the line of the pin. Oh. And people are staying behind the green, and I hear it land. I just hear everyone cheer. And then everyone went, oh, because it was really close to going to the fan, Awesome stuff. Uh, Avery, you've, you've earned not only lasagna, but maybe even a piece of bread on top of that, too. But seriously, congratulations. It's always a treat uh, to talk with you and uh, tell your pops a congrats, too. And, and thanks for coming on today. Couldn't be more proud. And obviously, you've got more work to do uh, hearing your goals. So, Avery, thanks for the time today, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Avery Bartels, medalist, State B Girls Golf. Remember, Brad, when you were in high school and if someone threw a microphone in front of you, you would, maybe I'm just speaking for me, struggle to put five words articulately together? Doesn't happen anymore, does it? Do you no. see, hear how articulate she is? Yeah, you know, I would think of her, and I always thought, you know, that we both had visited with Abby Dukeshire right. several times and, and just, just you They're know, just, it, Yep, and some of the kids, from, you know, that I visited with in Castleton and Northern. I mean, I can. It's just, amazing. It, it, you can just joke. <laughs> it's amazing. Actually, I was, I was talking about Abby, or her older brother. I've ever got to know Trent and her older right. brother because I did. But he was he was a pretty good baseball player, and he's playing any any high ball in Tennessee. But yeah. he was one. He would he would say he would give me some crap, and I would just throw it right back. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say, take that. It's amazing <sighs> today's youth on on how cle- uh, cool, just smooth they are. Yep. On radio shows, well, you know, and in television. Well, knowing, uh, knowing, knowing her mom and dad, like I know you do too, right. it doesn't surprise <laughs> doesn't me at all. Doesn't shock you at all. So, no. uh, good stuff. And as we said, I mean, it really is uh, good, and, and we, we champion 
our, our local, and in fact, coming up around the corner, I think we have a Fargo fans uh, finest, yes, if I'm not fans, mistaken. They'll be later in the hour. Yes. You know what else I forgot today? Oh, and we're up against the clock. Um, do we have some more gifts? We do. Um, yeah, we've got... Uh, Gatto's funny. Joe Gatto, Gatto. Sunday at the Fargo Theater. And now he's the guy that you may recall from Impractical Jokers. Correct. And a comedian, very entertaining. Uh, does uh, And he's at the Fargo Theater this weekend. Sunday. So you can catch the Vikings game. 4.30 and, oh. and 8. So you can catch the Vikings game at 8.30. And then later on that day... Possibly go see Joe Gatto. Mm-hmm. So, so um, let's. Should we text club this thing today? Yes, I think that would be the ideal way to do. Three five two seven zero. If you text into three five two seven zero and just text the word Joe. How about Joe today? J O E. We'll give away. We'll draw for some winners. It seems to work out rather swimmingly. I might add. We send some. We send some people to a show tonight. Yeah, got their um, tickets. Uh, so uh, to three five two seven zero, just text the word Joe. That all rhymes. Three five two seven zero. Text the word Joe, and uh, we'll draw for some uh, some ticket winners today on the Jack Michael Show. And again, that's coming up Sunday uh, late afternoon. Joe Gatto Show. So we've got some tickets to give away on that. Uh, quick timeout. We'll come back. Got some buys and bits and more. Uh, Terry Haran joining us, second half hour. Busy Wednesday today. Jack Michael Show with Brad Anderson and Derek Hansen on 740 The Fan. A little more uh, history today, by the way. Uh, this day, 1941, Ted Williams hit 400 for the season was the last major league player of the century to achieve that stat. Think about that number. When uh, With Dick Bremer yesterday, we were talking about how uh, Aaron Judge is is going for a triple crown, and he was you know, hitting 314. You know, mm-hmm. This date in history, a uh, 41 Teddy Ball game hit 400 for the season. I don't think we're going to see. I think there was a lot of talk when Tony Gwen was playing that, that maybe a guy like Gwen. He was 394, I yeah, think, the strike here. He just didn't strike out. He walked or he got knocks, you know, yeah. and uh, that was. Uh, George Brett was. George Brett. Well, I I think I was during COVID. I was kind of digging around some old twin stuff. And the year when Carew hit 388 in the late 70s. Could you imagine if somebody with you know enough plate appearances that that you know an everyday player yeah. approached that number? What the what the? My goodness, we're already monitoring. You know, poor Maris family's got got to be at every <laughs> Maris family hasn't watched this much baseball probably since they're at every right. every game waiting right. for Aaron Judge to hit his sixty first, and he walked how many like three four times well, last pitching. night? Yeah, they're not pitching to him. They're not all. throwing to him. There's gonna be some. Uh, do the Yankees finish up at home? Do we know? Because oh. just think if if Aaron Judge. You know, gets that spot in the final couple of games, and and they're throwing, they're pitching around him, and he's not getting pitches to hit. Which, by the way, is the key for pitchers to not make contact with a hard barrel like guys like Aaron Judd. Now, Yankees are Toronto right now. Uh, today looks looks like off day. Tomorrow, Friday, Friday, Friday. The Yankees are at home with the Orioles this weekend. Okay, so they're home this weekend. Mm. All right, the Orioles still are. Still breathing anyway. In the, well, I think uh, Baltimore's. I think Baltimore's a nice story uh, in baseball. Period. From yeah. right, Derek. From where, where they came and. Well, yeah. I mean, it's so tough because you know going into the you know NFC, 
I think the uh, American League East. Yeah. I mean, you're you're sitting in a situation where you're just looking up. And it's like you're being trying in to get Region better. One in girls hoops and well, yeah, volleyball I mean, here. Like, you know, it's right. like being in the SEC West with right. Alabama. You know, it's just, it's you're always chasing that, so it's it's not easy. Uh, we do on a weekly basis. We start uh, kind of ear in our uh, you know leaning towards the, the weekend as we talked about all the different uh, collegiate uh, football going on this weekend. Uh, homecomings at, in the north and the south end of the Red River Valley. Uh, with science and, and in Fargo and in Grand Forks, uh, to name a few, uh, we a little segment we call Bison Bits, where we uh, Brad Anderson sits down with a player or two, and I'm curious because the backfield, you know, Hunter Lipke obviously is going to get mm-hmm. the uh, yeoman like effort and, and the attention as needed because of the numbers he's putting up. But there are also other guys in that backfield, Brad, like Tamaric Williams, right? And you had a chance to yeah. sit down with him, you know, and he's kind of been banged up in his time here. But I mean, when he's been healthy, and you kind of saw that towards the end of last season, I think he had the big game with Lee was Youngtown, Youngstown State, and we saw some things in the postseason as well, and. He hasn't gotten a ton of carries, and but he, you know, sounds like he's ready to go. And I mean, it, that's a pretty deep, uh, pretty deep running back room that they uh, that NDSU has right now. Bison running back Tamaric Williams. He is one of many that have uh, gotten their carries, and uh, and I'm sure will be called upon more as the season goes along here. And uh, first of all, uh, health wise, you know, it's kind of been a, a bumpy path in that uh, to your time here at NDSU. But uh, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good, man. Getting closer and closer to being 100, percent man. But uh, other than that, and I feel great. Uh, you coming in? Do you feel like you feel like you're going to get some more carries from time to time? Is it going to be kind of a gradual progression like last year? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I just know it just it just comes with uh, continuing to focus on the small details, um, being solid without the ball as well. And uh, I know I know those carries will come eventually, so I ain't worried about it. That's part of the running back job, you know, when you get your chance to handle the ball. But it's kind of some of the things that you do, kind of off the ball, like blocking and things like that. And I'm sure that's something that's uh, not taken for granted in the uh, in, in the running back room. Yes, sir. That's that's something that I always try to make sure I'm solid in. Um, pass protection is a is a big part of being a running back, man. You got to be able to to impose your will on defenders whenever they come off the edge, and uh, just protect your quarterback ultimately. So uh, that's something I pride myself in. You know, you got such a such a diverse group of running backs in there with Hunter, what he can do, and just, just the wide variety of things he can do, and some of the young guys coming in, and Kobe and yourself. I mean, it's uh, you have to kind of cherish the times you get to 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 handle the football. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why I always tell myself to, to make sure I make the most of every opportunity I get to carry because um, you never know, man. That, that, one, that one opportunity that you, that you try to make the most of, it could just take off. So. Uh, when you look at the just just, just the, the running back depth as a whole, I mean, what are just, you know, as, as a group, are you guys just kind of talking and talking about things and just learning how to uh, just t- as a group, how you just feel that you, some things that you want to improve on and, and, you know, do you guys communicate with one another? Uh, yeah, we communicate with e- with each other pretty much all the time, and anytime we're breaking down film of the of the game previously that we that we're watching, um, we try to make sure we take we take different stuff from each other and uh, try to implement it into the next game as well. You know, what are things that do uh, you think as a, as a group you guys can improve on? Um, mostly just being just continuing to to, to be aggressive and uh, and and show that we can still we can still be as dominant with the with the ball just as without the ball. So that's something that's always been emphasized in the running back room because we feel like as the machines we we are we're part of the we're part of the offense and we make the offense go. How about the offensive line? You know, I guess what are some of the things? It's such a veteran group, and I guess you you've worked with these guys a long time. So is there a whole lot you have to even kind of communicate with them? Um, mostly, if mostly it's usually game plan stuff. Like there'll be different adjustments that we we'll make throughout the week. And uh, or just depending on the team that we play that week, it might be it might be a specific adjustment for them. But we all try to make sure we're in sync with the offensive line because 
um, you know, stuff can change, especially on game day or, or even at halftime during the game. We always try to be in sync with the line at all times. Kind of describe yourself as a running back. Um, I like to think of myself as a balance back. I mean, I can catch it. I can get the tough yards. Um, I can even get down here when I need to. And I also got an extra gear whenever I decide to break a run. So. You look at defensively, just the different type of defenses. Is just maybe the last two weeks, for example, what you what you had to face with Arizona compared to a, you know a, a Valley Conference defense like South Dakota. Um, for me, man, I just think uh, I think the competition level is still the same. Um, a lot of teams, and even in the, even even in the Valley with this value of the FCS comp, FBS competition, I feel like it, it doesn't really change, man. It's, it's the same level of competition. Um, you can have solid you can have solid defenders that tackle very well. In, in different at different points throughout the season, especially in the Valley, man. But um, I just think the level of competition is still is still the same. Um, they still put on their pants the same way I put on my pants. So it's it's nothing that I'm nothing that I'm I'm worried about at all. You made the decision to transfer here. Uh, was it everything you thought it would be? It's everything that I thought it would be, and a little more. You know, uh, just being a part of this culture and and you know. This officially being my second year here, uh, just being able to to buy in and, and my first year being able to learn from the veterans that were here, guys like Christian Watson and, and Cordell Wilson, man, being able to allow them to be able to take me under their wing and, and show me the ropes, it's, it's been a blessing for sure. All right, Tamaric Williams, NDSU running back. Uh, appreciate it. Best of luck to you this weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. Nice job. Uh, part of a, a stable of backs that, uh, you know, it's not all Hunter Lipke, but when it is, got to contain that. And then just when you're trying to sew up between the tackles sometimes, some guys like that get around the outside and, and really make it tough. You know, they got Youngstown State coming up this week. And that kickoff is at 1 o'clock. Yep. Homecoming at, at the fabulous Fargo Dome. UND got a large one with Mo State. Uh, 12 noon kickoff at the Alara Science uh, Homecoming this weekend. As we talked about, it's a, it's a busy weekend. Dragons are on the road at Duluth. The Coppers got a large one, too. St. John's. Something about just saying St. John's and, you know, it just connotates Collegeville, this, the right. whole atmosphere. Oh, my goodness. And I know that Terry looking to, to bounce back uh, after uh, the last weekend, and I'm sure for St. John's, uh, they're, they're hungry this week, too. So we'll talk about that. Terry Horan, head coach, Concordia Covers, joining us next on the Jack Michael Show, right here on 740 The Fan. It's a bounce back week. That's what it is. It's a bounce back week. Uh, you know what? You got to have a short memory. You learn. You, you see some film. You see things. You got to correct, and then you then you hit the road and try to get a big win. And that probably that statement fits for probably half the teams in the country in college football because half win, half lose. You move on. And Terry Horan, head coach of the Coppers, in that boat right now. A tough loss at home, I know, coach. But uh, you don't have time to think about it. You turn around, correct it, and move on. Right, Terry. Absolutely, uh, 100%. And it's um, we had a, you know, it's the first thing I mentioned after the game on 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 Saturday, and then uh, obviously yesterday in our team meeting prior to walking through things. Um, you know, you gotta uh, you gotta you gotta forget fast, but you gotta learn from obviously um, Saturday, uh, both good and bad, and 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 move on. Like I like I told our team, you know, it doesn't get any easier. You know, we we've gotta obviously gotta got a huge contest on Saturday at St. John's and uh, should be just one whale of a crowd. They always get great crowds, but it's their homecoming game. Well, so, of course it is. You know, yeah, <laughs> and on top of that, you know, you're talking what a great environment. Ten to 15,000 people probably will be at at that uh, at that game, so that'll be exciting. It, it, and Terry talks about that, and for those that aren't familiar with my anchor, maybe you haven't been out to the Jake or, or maybe you have, but 
when you look at these venues that you play in, and there are differences between which school you play, but boy, you just nailed it. Uh, the atmospheres you've experienced over your long tenure of facing St. John's there, I bet you've seen some just uh, just amped up uh, crowds, huh? Absolutely. You know, you, you think about our, our league really draws well. <clears throat> and there's, there's, um, there's about, um, you know, 230-some Division three schools out there, and even like Concordia, we're always in the top 10 in the country in attendance. And uh, But, you know, Collegeville, it, it's a different animal. Um, you know, they're usually like number one uh, in attendance, and, and especially now if you get a really good day and, and it's their homecoming game, you're literally going to see ten to fifteen thousand people packed into that bowl, and and it is, it's a it's an experience uh, you know, like no other, and our, our kids really uh, appreciate it and and have a lot of fun with it. It's easy to say take the crowd out, Terry. I mean that's always the thing. Well, coach, how are you going to take the crowd out of the game? Do you really in in that atmosphere? <laughs> is it possible? Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been, been there. Brad? I've been there. You can't. You it's can't. really okay. hard. Yeah. yeah. It, it's absolutely nuts. And then they've got, you know, their student section, which is on the one end zone of it. And, they, you know, they do a good job of fencing off people and things like that. But they've got their infamous rat pack and, and the Johnny rats that uh, that kind of get the crowd stirring up. And, uh, and it, it's a lot of fun to play in and coach in. And, and, you know, there's a reason, you know, since I even told our kids this this yesterday, I mean, when I was a player, it was one one game you'd circle. You know, obviously back then we were playing Morehead State, so there was always two games you'd circle: the Morehead State game and then St. John's, and those are you know two year big ones. And you know, not to take anything away from anybody else in our league, but nobody else gets the like for this week. It's always Johnny Week. We got Johnny Week. You know, so you know we don't really ever say that with anybody else. And again, it's no nothing against anybody else. It's just that it's just been such a great rivalry over the years, and and we have a lot of respect for their program and and that coaching staff and what they do. And and um, it's just it's a fun environment to play in, and and um, and we we enjoy it. I was just looking back at their game with Bethel, back and forth game um, last week down end in Bethel. First drive, they take the opening drive, nine minutes, nineteen plays, and then all of a sudden you're keying on the run, and then they they can uh, they they try and get you over the top when you're uh, when you start peeking in the backfield. Absolutely, I mean they, they in all three phases they're they're really really solid, and obviously you know they Bethel and, and St. John's have had some really good games as of late. You know last year St. John's beat them twice. Um, you know obviously we've talked about we've got the two divisional format, but the two of them. Um, you know, into that last championship week, they played each other to go to the national playoffs, and and St. John scored late to win that game um, at Bethel, and um, both went into the playoffs. But they're both so physical that they, you know, they both limped into the playoffs. And uh, but that was a physical game, and and obviously could have gone either way. And Bethel found a way to beat them, and. You know, St. John's or whatever poll you were looking at going into that game, they were number one or number two in the country after, you know, having the the non-conference win over Wisconsin Whitewater in their opener, and then Whitewater the very next week beats Mary Harden Baylor, um, which was a huge win, and and Rip, Wisconsin River Falls is you know a top 15 program, and 
St. John's beat them in week two. So, you know, now then they played Bethel. And like you said, they can, they can beat you in a lot of ways. They can, they, they've got a really good offensive line. They got a very experienced quarterback. Uh, they can run the football. They can throw the football. Um, and defensively, is is where I think they really stand out because they got such great team speed. Um, they, um, you know, I, I think Gary Foshing, the head football coach, would tell you. I don't know if he's had many defenses that he's always had great D's, right? Uh, you know, Jerry Hogan, their baseball coach, is their D coordinator, and they've been together for a while. But I don't know if they've had one that runs as well as this defense. They're they're extremely fast and athletic and. And even in their specialty game, they're always they're always top notch. So yeah, we've we've got to have a great game. And I don't, you know, back to that first question: Can you take the crowd out of it? I don't know if you ever can take that crowd out of it, like you guys have said. Uh, they're pretty they're pretty into it the entire sixty minutes. It's just a it's a different animal there. And and uh, but it's one that you know we've had success there. And in fact, I look back at two thousand nineteen. We went down there. They were the number three team in the country. Had a three-year home win streak, and and we found a way to beat them in overtime. So, yeah, you did. <laughs> and you know we were coming off of three tough losses before that, so we weren't playing particularly well. But you kind of wipe the records out when you play these two teams because it's just different. Uh, great to hear from Terry Horan, head coach Concordia Carvers, obviously at St. John's. I was looking at at St. John's page, and I, you mentioned walking not only just into a, a, an environment that's not easy to be the opponent in homecoming and all the festivities going on. So I was looking at St. John's Terry, and they're, they're honoring, I think, the 76 uh, team. And I was reading a story on the St. John's back then, and, and the story goes, and it talks about a, a, a player in utilizing more backs and a couple of these players. And they had uh, they had Jeff Norman, a standout sophomore running back, uh, Tim Schmitz, that each had run some version of an option in high school. Well, John Gallardi apparently wanted to make the best use of all their skills. And so the story reads, he was using his four children as live chess pieces, he tested his theories. He came up with a revolutionary scheme that provided a quarterback with four choices instead of simply two or three. And I'm thinking, I bet Terry Horan has probably jotted down an offensive player used like children or, you know, like, you stand here, you over there. Terry, I mean, if you designed some plays on, on napkins at like a – country kitchen and some restaurant someplace take us behind the scenes a little bit as a coach oh believe me we always say this whoever has the pen last uh, figures it out but oh my gosh napkins and <laughs> and i i was told early on uh, in my coaching career that you know because obviously sleep uh sleep is precious in the in the fall but you just don't sleep great and you don't get a ton of it and I was always told to keep a tablet next to your bed on the nightstand because in the middle of the night, you know, you'll think of something and you just jot it down and believe me, I've been there. So, um, yeah, John Gallardi, obviously one of the greatest of all time and and, uh, a lot of respect for him, but, um, you know, that's amazing to hear that, that because, I mean, holy smokes, I mean, he was coaching – well into his 80s, you know, which is crazy. You and, could just see Gilardi in his backyard going, now no, you uh, over there, now you, you, yeah, you, right? I, I can, I can so see it. I, that, that just, uh, that's, that's a great story. And, uh, and that 76 team was, was outstanding. I mean, they've had some great ones over the years and, and, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a great tradition. It's a great program. And it's, it's one that, uh, we look forward to playing and, and, um, each and every year, just because 
of you know how hard both teams play against each other. There's no chippiness. It's it's just it's just hard fought football games and 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 two staffs that really respect each other. That's always the best, right there. Uh, good stuff. For, it's always great to have Terry Horan with. By the way, uh, Gustavus Adolphus uh, scored and then went for two. Um, and then I think they kicked extra points around there. But I was going to ask you, too, what, what was the deal on the two-point conversion on the first score? for? Uh, yeah, so uh, coming into our, our game, they played Wisconsin Stout in, in their second non-conference game, and they're, they're all MIAC kicker, who is really fantastic. Uh, from what we were hearing, um, he, he had a little bit of a leg injury. Didn't uh, kick the game before us, and their backup kicker, had two or three blocked in that game. Okay. Uh, and then, so against us, they went for two right away, and um, they did end up kicking a PAT later, and they had a different kicker kick it, and he put it through the upright. So I know they're hoping to get, you know, the Division three world depth is really crazy, right? Sure. Because you don't have the depth like you see at, at some of those D1 levels, especially in that department of the kicking and snapping and all of that. So um, you, you you see that at our level sometimes, um, but that's why they went for two. And that's why I was going to ask you because the mechanism is not just kicking a ball; it's snapping, it's holding. It's it's really a function, Terry, of all that stuff. And not unlike some high school programs where where everybody just goes for two every time because you just haven't been able to develop a, a kicker. And I was wondering that too in 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 the Mayak if if, uh, if there are some teams that maybe go for two instead of kick. But anyway. Yeah, well, it's a good question because the bat, we call it the battery, you know, the snap to the hold to the kick. It all has to has to be in sync and and you get about a million reps a, a week at it, you know, and and um and traditionally pretty much everybody in our league or anybody that we play, you know, they always have a good snapper holder and a kicker and um but you know, once that kicker gets hurt, do you have, you know, a second one, you know? I mean, Damian Silas is our kicker, and we've got two or three that are there, but they're they're not the same level as he is, and that that's kind of what you see at our at our level. I can't wait till Terry joins us next week and said, Brad, Jack. So here's the deal: I, I was in the middle of a dream, REM sleep, and I thought of this hook and lateral that that I knew would work against St. John's if the game was close and forth, and we pulled it off in one by six. That, maybe that'll be the. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'd be on cloud nine if that uh, was the case. And if, if that dream would ever happen, and if it would be a reality, it would even uh, be huge. <laughs> you can come in. We'll, we'll get you a sandwich that next week. If that, uh, Terry, uh, good luck. That's a one o'clock kickoff, folks. Uh, best of luck, Terry. You're always one of our favorite guys to chat to. Have a safe trip there, and uh, best of luck this weekend, Coach. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thank you. There's nobody better than Terry Haran. Always great talking ball with him. A guy, a guy that's probably forgotten more about football than most people will know, Brad. I mean, he, he just is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, 1 o'clock. What's your thought? Well, it's going to be tough, but I, I forgot about the win in 19, and they were scuffling then. Yeah. Uh, they've, I mean, they've, they've done it before, and it's going to be – I forgot that they had come off, uh, like, consecutive losses. Yeah, they were, they were really struggling at that time. Before the – yeah. So yeah it's always – it doesn't happen often, so it's always special when you get them, especially down there. Good stuff today. Uh, Avery Bartels, thank you for joining us today. The uh, medalist, Class B Girls Golf from Kindred. Uh, good to hear from Tamaric uh, Williams uh, with Brad Anderson today and Terry Horan. Twins tomorrow. And then Friday, of course, Corey Provis. I think we might bring T. Dunn in. You got UND Hockey coming up at yep. a busy weekend show forthcoming. So stick around. Common Man, well, that's coming up next right here. It's a Jack Michael Show weekdays at noon right here on 740 The Fan.